Welcome to the Colorful Clipboard, where we discuss the building blocks of making dough in childcare. I'm Kate. And I'm Carrie. Welcome back to the Colorful Clipboard. And today we are going to do what we told you we were going to do last week. And we are actually going to talk about how to get your parents to bring the right stuff to school or how to bring the kids to school the right way. Um, so uh, every parent's going to have their their way they need stuff. So you might have a parent who needs a physical laminated checklist so that they remember what to bring with their kid every day. Um, other parents or other programs might just have you bring a whole bunch of stuff once or twice a year. Uh, so let's talk a little bit about um, kind of where we left off last week, only because it was one of my favorite topics, and that is shoes. <laughs> shoes, shoes, shoes. Parents do not seem to understand the right types of shoes to bring for their kids. And this would even be a great physical thing to show in, you know, during uh, parent registration. Have pictures of all the little shoes that you want the kids to wear to your program. If you are okay with kids wearing flip-flops, that is fine. But you might make sure that there's a picture of two flip-flops um and not necessarily just one flip-flop i've had lots of kids dropped off with one shoe uh, um, because the parent assumed the shoes were in the car <laughs> yes and then you also have you know there are some centers that are no shoes inside the building or no shoes inside certain classrooms and so maybe are they going barefoot are they wearing house shoes uh are they wearing black socks you know, all three of those are options when we're talking about centers that have a limited shoe policy. Um, so those are also, we're, we're not saying you have to require shoes. We're saying you need to communicate <laughs> with the parents what the shoe policy is, whether it's that you won't allow cowboy boots or whether you won't allow sneakers in the classroom. I, you know, just be clear on what your shoe policy is. And based on last week's call, um, make sure that you think about what are the plans, what does the weather forecast entail? So uh, last week, Carrie told us a little bit about a program, and I'm going to have her elaborate on kind of maybe, uh, maybe the theory that that program had, but when you come to that program and you enroll in that program, one of the things you need to do is bring a pair of rain boots. So that means that the kids go outside all the time, regardless of the weather, and I love that because I have the experience of having worked at a program where I actually had a parent who got mad because their kid got their brand new name brand tennis shoes dirty as a toddler. They didn't like the fact that the shoes were dirty and the toddler <laughs> went outside and got muddy. And that is part of the new parent orientation. I've talked about this before. I will talk about it again. When somebody moves into a new classroom or joins your center for the first time, there needs to be an orientation. They need to know what's expected in your center as a whole and in each individual classroom. So in the center that Kate was referring to, they are given a checklist of their semester supplies and their semester supplies are, you know, 
a sheet for their cot or mat. I don't remember which one they used. They have to have a new one each semester. Um, they need to have their rain boots that fit them that semester <laughs> or term. They have three terms in the year. I guess it's not a semester, it's a term. Um, and they have to have two jackets, one for rainy weather and one for cool or cold weather. Um, then they also have, you know, Kleenex or whatever are the normal other items. But it's stuff to prepare their child for the weather and then stuff for nap time and learning. So, and those coats and those rain boots live at the center. If a parent didn't bring their child in a raincoat in the morning, but it's raining in the afternoon, they can leave with the raincoat, but it needs to come back the next day, or I believe there is a fee if the next day the teacher comes and the raincoat isn't there when their child is. So I have a quick question. How do we manage that? I mean, kids grow. I mean, how do, do they have to bring new boots every time or are the boots kind of, they that now become inventory for the year for the school and the school helps find based on other kids in the building? I mean, how do we do that? I, I don't know what they do. Rain boots are usually, you know, they're not the exact size of your feet because most rain boots for children are designed so they can put their shoe and their foot, their foot inside their shoe, inside the rain boot. So I imagine they're probably good for a longer period of time than the average shoes, but they may have sort of a rotating stock of, you know, back stock of shoes, <laughs> or when, you know, a kid graduates to a size nine, maybe they talk to the people who have size six shoes and go, would you like these size eights? I, I don't know exactly how that would happen. I would suggest, you know, if you were doing it at your center that maybe you create a lending library first of shoes and then a secondhand market. <laughs> I, I love it. So, uh, yeah, so depending on the where you live or where your program is, there might be um, tweaks or additions that you might want to add to that as far as the clothing component. Um, if you have listened to our t-shirt podcast, if you haven't, go back and listen to it. It's a great first podcast. It was our, it's listed as our bonus, <laughs> bonus podcast. Um, it was the very first podcast we did, and it was my soapbox rant about t-shirts and with that we do talk about other pieces of a uniform so if you use t-shirts sweatpants and shorts as part of a uniform at your school uh, the beautiful thing about that is that you can always have some of those left over and you can always encourage the parents to leave uh, a pair of shorts or the sweatpants there on site but i do encourage you regardless um, I really find that a lot of parents need a checklist of some sort. So again, find out what the parents like um, so that they know what they need to bring. So we know that infant kids, <laughs> right? Infant parents are used to having a very long list of stuff they need to bring with their kid um, anytime they go anywhere. Uh, but they also, carry those giant diaper bags everywhere and then they want to stuff them into your cubbies. Yes, so, um, so there's different ways you can manage that. I've seen programs that literally hand the parents the little 12 by 12 square box um, with the kid's name on it. And that is the equivalent of their, um, 
a diaper bag there at the school. So, and the parents get to take that and they can uh, put their wipes that they want and any other stuff <laughs> that they feel that their infant might need. Cases um, of clothes, backup sheets, um, a million diapers, their favorite version of Zwieback toast, all those kinds of things. Absolutely. And so then that way it's confined. It's, it's very clear. And, you know, the parent opens it when they come to get the kid every day. Uh, you put um, the process of um, filling and communicating what's, what's running low becomes um, both a staff and parent partnership. Uh, the other thing to think about is talking to parents about how they bring their kids to school and when to bring their schools, kids to school. Um, I think for as long as I can remember, which has got to be at least 27 years, um, I've always had kids come to my program or my, my home-based program um, who really should not have been there. They were not feeling well, they were sick, and um, based on everything that's happened across the globe in 2020, <laughs> um, even more we need to, as childcare professionals, really communicate to parents when your kid should not be coming to school. <laughs> so um, extra, extra clear on do not give them a shot of Tylenol before you bring them through the door so that whatever fever they might have had is gone. That just, you know, we, we've got to really help the parents understand how to bring a kid to school. And, and things guarantee you. Putting it in terms of what's in it for them. So why should they not bring their child who has a fever and they're 90% sure it's just a cold? Why should they not bring that child to the center? So explaining to them again at that orientation <laughs> that every time a child comes to the center who has a cold, they're then making it such that the other, however many children are in that classroom, those parents, the parents of those other children now have to take a day off from work. Where if the one teacher, if, if, sorry, not one teacher, if the one parent had stayed home one more day, that's just one day out of work. Where if they bring the child back a day early, in an infant classroom, that's seven other parents who now have to stay home. And so you want that um, respect to you, that you don't have to take days off because your child got a cold that they didn't need to get because another parent didn't take the extra day at home with their child. And now they're homesick. Also, that if a child has a cold, that means that their immune system is depressed and they're much more likely to catch the stomach bug that is happening in the adjoining classroom. And so that infant is now going to get the stomach bug on top of their cold and that is not going to be a happy child so we have to explain to the parents why it's important when a child at home wouldn't need 24-hour care you know they don't have pneumonia they just have a cold why do they need to stay home for a cold it's not a big deal well this is why it's a big deal in child care well, and not only that, we have to really think about, you know, they're going to get a call anyway. <laughs> you know, I'm like, yeah, you might make that nine o'clock meeting, but chances are I'm calling you after lunch anyway. Um, you know, and that's one of the things that I think is 
um, really sad for everybody because the kid is unhappy. They're, they're lethargic. They just lay there. They are not enjoying themselves. And you've brought them to a place where, yeah, they get to see their friends, but now it may be two more days till they get to see their friends because they're going to be so tired. Um, I do um, totally think that parents, um, and again, this is something regular that you need to make sure you're having conversations with parents or in newsletters or on your social media, um, helping parents understand little things like when a child is dehydrated um, or just exhausted uh, versus- I know second. whose story you're telling. I, I got three kids' stories I'm telling. <laughs> Um, but I think it's really, really important. I mean, again, um, I, I personally, um, my children would often end up having to miss school, uh, because they came back from long weekends where they were exhausted and they didn't drink very well. In other words, very little water, uh, lots of food. I would not have fed them, <laughs> but, um, but their body was in hyper mode all weekend. And so Monday came around and they're vomiting. Well, it wasn't because they were really sick. It's because they were exhausted and their body was recovering from the weekend. So as a parent, um, anything, or as a childcare uh, provider, anything you can do to educate the parents uh, and make sure parents understand that, I noticed there's been a, a, a pattern. There's a lot of Mondays that, that Johnny's not here. Um, or that I'm having to call you at 10 o'clock in the morning because Johnny has vomited. Right. Um, so we just want to make sure that as childcare um, providers that you think through all of your experiences and all the knowledge you can share with parents and especially if you start to notice patterns. Um, but we do know um, that there are a lot of kids who appear to get sick in the summer. Uh, but a lot of times that's after, um, I love grandmas and grandpas, don't get me wrong, um, and aunts and uncles, but sometimes a week with grandma, grandpa, aunt and uncle, they can come home and all of a sudden you get them back and you think they're sick. Um, they, they are, I mean, they're totally exhausted. Um, but if you can get them back on Friday and then you have them for Saturday and Sunday where they can sleep all they want, they can drink lots of water and uh, give them a carrot or two, some broccoli. Um, yeah, the they're going to be fine come Monday. But if you just take them from camp to camp to grandma to aunt to camp to camp, um, that their bodies just aren't going to be able to handle that. So, yeah. So I think that's another one of those really key things to talk over before that season comes. Again, we're putting this out in the summer. So talk to them right now <laughs> about, you know, grandparents are designed to be able to spoil those children and let them stay up late and not make them take a nap and have three cupcakes in a day. Cupcakes and, right. <laughs> and, and then also going out to amusement parks or staying at the park for four hours and whoever, you know, grandma or auntie had them and she was hanging out in the shade at the playground where that child was running back and forth and swinging on the swings and playing soccer and borrowing somebody's kite and they were going the entire five hours. It was relaxing for the grandma or the auntie because she's sitting and chit-chatting with people in the shade with her bottle of water and that child has been running full bore 
and it has not stopped to drink water and have some salty snacks to rebuild their electrolytes and their hydration. But they had a great time and they slept really well. <laughs> slept so well. I remember my really mother well. being so excited the first time she read my children to sleep. I asked what time that was that she read them to sleep. And she said, oh, a little after midnight. <laughs> um, so I'm sure that my mother-in-law is not the only one to do something like that. She was determined to read those kids to sleep, even if it took her four hours of reading bedtime stories. Because um, my kids were used to reading a story and then I left. <laughs> um, but the same thing will happen to kids at your program when they're having the summer fun times of going with an uncle or an aunt to Six Flags or another amusement park, you know, they just get exhausted. And so we have to help the parents know ahead of time what to look for and say, when they come back from a week at the beach, please give them at least a full day <laughs> of drinking lots of water, eating some salty snacks and getting back on their normal schedule. Um, and well, find, eating bananas and <laughs> things like that. So what's really interesting, is, and I really do, I find this interesting how I come across even 20 something, Gerald, 20 something. So my husband for a living is a physician's assistant. So if you didn't know that now, you know. And he's also part of the Texas National Guard. Okay, I think we need a break from these parents. Carrie, what do you got for me? Well, I've got to say, these parents, they're being lazy, or at least some of them are. If they can't get their kids dressed, they can't get them breakfast, sometimes it's because life happened. But a lot of times, it's because they're lazy. And we have a special day to celebrate that, which is August 10th. It is Lazy Day. So here's what I think that you as the administrator should do. Don't plan to do anything on the 10th. <laughs> I think you need to have a lazy day. Oh, I love that idea. Siri, there for a minute, I thought you were going to say she needed to celebrate these parents. And I was like going, no, no, I don't think we should do that. <laughs> nope. Anytime somebody asks you if you can do something that day, say, I don't think so. <laughs> I think you need a day. If you want to not even go into work, if that works for you, then schedule to be off on the 10th. I know that the 10th may be a bit of a challenge because that's a Monday, but do as little as possible on this lazy day. Maybe even wear your sweats to work. I don't know. Is that too far, Kate? I don't know, but I think maybe there needs to be a wear your sweats to, uh, sweats to work day. <laughs> well, maybe you can do that for the whole staff and say on the 10th, it is lazy day. Everybody can wear their sweats to work. Their sweats are their yoga pants. Um, can, and... can we specify that they should be proper, like no holes or see-through? Yes, we, we can <laughs> say that we need to not be able to see their foundation garments underneath their... Uh... <laughs> Oh, and that they need to wear foundation garments. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's a really long mid-roll. Thank you for the mid-roll. So 
literally right now, like within the last two weeks of this crazy heat and crazy weather and all the crazy uses for the Texas National Guard in 2020, um, he's actually had some 20 year olds who have come to him and haven't felt real well and they've had to have their temperatures taken. And, and I start laughing and I'm like, your people are out in the sun and then they come back and they, you know, they, they go, go, go all evening and they're dehydrated. <laughs> These are medical people in their 20s and they still haven't figured out how to make sure that they're getting the sleep that they need and their electrolytes and their water. So, you know, don't think that we are making huge assumptions that your parents don't know this or that grandparents don't know this because sometimes depending on the grandparent, they may have not really had this experience with their kid. Maybe their kid was not that type of child, um, but they're also the grandparents and they just want to make their grandchildren happy. They don't want to be the mean grandparent. Who so, said, you have to drink this bottle of Pedialyte right now. They're like, Pedialyte's for when I'm sick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, everybody's got their own experiences and so don't make, Please don't assume as a childcare professional that your parents know um, or that your staff know. That's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, I'm using an example of 20-somethings who are in the medical field who don't know. <laughs> they know if it was the patient, but they don't know for themselves. And so, and part of the reason I bring that up is that I've also had parents that because of this experience, they go, oh, well, my child vomited. I can't bring them back until they are, uh, you know, 24 hours or, or whatever. So, you know, really try to prevent that from happening. Um, because like I had one parent who went, well, they weren't sick. I told you they weren't sick. Well, <laughs> the guidelines are the guidelines. You and I probably agree. They probably weren't sick. They were dehydrated and tired because of a week at grandma's. But <laughs> if you don't get them says <laughs> yes, and if you don't get them back until you know nine o'clock on Sunday night, I can tell you Monday is not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. I'm calling you to come get them. <laughs> and and I think this goes back to you know, you know, we're deal kind of hyper focusing on the summer, but I think it also comes back to parents who bring their kid in in the morning. They stopped at Starbucks. They bought their child a Frappuccino, put their Frappuccino in a sippy cup, and their child has a powdered donut from Starbucks and their Frappuccino in their sippy cup. And the parents drop them off, and they think this is fine. <laughs> I, or, or I, the, I like the Pop-Tart. I like still in the pajamas and they hand you a Pop-Tart to give to them. Here, when they, when, when, when after, after you get them dressed, give them this for breakfast. What? <laughs> well, I don't want them to have the Frappuccino either. I'd rather the Pop-Tart than the Frappuccino. Thank you very much. I don't need a two-year-old with a whole bunch of caffeine running through their system. So that goes back to that orientation before they come in the classroom to explain to them if you have if your child did not get a good breakfast before you bring them there will be snack at x time 8 15 9 o'clock whenever your snack is your child's not going to die of starvation <laughs> from when you drop them off at eight o'clock until the 8 15 snack so 
if they didn't get breakfast, be assured that they will get snack and they can have seconds at snack if they need it. Um, but please do not bring any outside drinks into the center and please don't bring breakfast into the center. Yeah, so it's easy conversation to have ahead of time. It's much harder to have in front of the two-year-old with her sippy cup full of frappuccino and their powdered donut. Yeah, so it's worth, it's definitely worth, so this conversation of how to bring your kid to, to the program is more than just shoes, right? So I started with shoes and we talked a little bit about making sure they weren't sick and making sure that they've eaten breakfast. So um, we want to set these kids and families up for success um, for a good day. And so if when Carrie talked about what's in it for them, remember to make sure that the parents understand that the better prepared their kid is coming to school, the more likely we aren't going to have to bother them during the day. And so if the kid comes prepared with all the right clothes, they are feeling good, they're well rested, well hydrated, they've had a, 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 a decent breakfast. Again, I realize, I mean, I, I have four kids, people. I mean, it's not like I never had to get my kids up for breakfast and get them out the door. And so, um, you know, yes, you don't need to be the time management instructor for making sure your parents understand that if it's a 30 minute drive, they need to get their kid up more than 35 minutes before they need to be at school. Um, however, <laughs> if you want to do that workshop for your parents, let me know. I'll be happy to help you. Uh, so <laughs> there are times where helping them understand why uh, setting their kid up for a good day or good week is in their advantage, especially if they look frazzled. I mean, all of us know that one parent that's got the big thing this week, right? So they're totally, totally frazzled. They're snapping at everybody. And because that, they're forgetting stuff, right? They're forgetting their kid at work, their, their kid at the program, the kid's outside sitting on the step. Um, and yes, we all know who I'm talking about. <laughs> so, um, we can, you know, again, speak in the language of the, of the parents. Yes, our goal as providers is to take the best care of the children. However, sometimes that means we need to parent the parents and um, allowing those parents to understand that we recognize that they're busy and that they're stressed. Uh, but we really want to make sure that their children are getting the best care. And part of that's going to start before they ever show up. Yeah. And if they, if you've done a good job of helping them stock their child's cubby, especially before what I call those shoulder seasons, those seasons where they come in in the morning and they needed a coat, but by the afternoon they're ready for shorts and a t-shirt. Um, if they have, if you notify them like, right before the weather is about to start doing that seesaw thing, make sure you have both cold and warm weather clothes in your cubby. If they're having one of those mornings where everything was going fine when they went to bed and then they get a call from their boss 20 minutes before they were awake and they have to get to work right away. And so they do have to throw their kid into a car seat in their pajamas and drop them off at the center if it happens to be one of those days when it's 42 degrees, if they have stocked their cubby 
with warm weather clothes and cold weather clothes, you can put that child in sweatsuit and they can do the day in their sweatsuit and the pajamas will go into the cubby. But if you didn't help them to stock their cubby, then that child's going to be wearing footy pajamas all day until it gets warm so that they can get into the shorts that are in their cubby because you can't take them outside in 42 degree weather in the shorts and t-shirt, which are the only clothes that are in the cubby. Absolutely. So, and, and you don't want to, you saw the parent when they came in, they were frazzled, calling them 25 minutes later to say, hey, all you've got in here are Daisy Dukes and tank tops. Are you aware that it is 42 degrees? I need you to come get your kid or I need you to bring me some sweatpants. <laughs> That's not going to go over well with the parent. And you can avoid that conversation by saying, okay, well, it's, okay, I'm in Texas, so that would be September, mm -hmm. <laughs> where they need to have both sets of clothes, right? And early early March. September. Huh? Early March. And March, right. So I'm going to notify the parents that it's those- summer are the rest of the time. <laughs> it's not summer the rest of the time. It's fall for several weeks, just not consecutively. <laughs> <laughs> um, so Kate's from Ohio. She's used to these seasons that go in order. It's really weird. I don't understand it. Um, I've always lived in a subtropical area. This is how it works, people. There's rainy seasons, there's dry seasons, and it's just hot. That's the way it is. That's where I live. Um, okay, except for the one year in Russia. Or but, the year you were born in Michigan. Yeah, that doesn't count. I was a baby. I didn't know nothing. I probably wore one of those little baby bunting outfits all the time. Um, I'm on it, too. <laughs> anyway, um, so... You know, we're, what we're trying to do by nagging them at the beginning of March to put- We are not nagging them. We are parenting them. <laughs> we are teaching them. We are, we are providing them with quality life skills. We are reminding them in March and in September in my state, whatever it needs to be in your state, that they need to have two sets of clothes and that they need to have a jacket that lives at the center. We're avoiding- those morning phone calls 25 minutes after they drop off the child in their pajamas to say, I'm sorry, you either have to pick up your child or bring me clothes. So, you know, that brought up a really good point that I would just like to kind of like end with maybe is when, as a director, you need to make sure you have trained and empowered your staff to think outside the box and to solve the problems before disrupting a, a, a parent's workday. Uh, we are here as a service to these parents and we want the parents to be able to work and know that their kid is safe. And so, uh, yes, I can see as a teacher um, that it's incredibly frustrating when you have the kid who is not dressed in their pajamas, haven't eaten, etc. But if as a director, you've trained your staff to kind of help the kids and parents now, if it becomes a habit, that's a whole different, like if it happens all the time, that's different. That is, again, make sure that your, your teachers know to bring that to you, that this kid always comes this way, and this kid's never really ready for school, and that you're always dressing them. Um, that's being taken advantage of, but if there is that one 
you know, one time a month kind of scenario that happens, um, make sure that your staff are empowered to solve that problem without having to bother the parent. Um, they can bring it up to the parent at the end of the day just to let them know this is what happened. Um, but do you have lost and found clothes? Is there, you know, is there a way that your program can solve this without having to call the parents? You have branded clothes and you can just tell them you can either bring in another change of clothes and swap out what we gave you, or you can just give us $15 for the branded outfit. There you go. All right. Thank you so much, you guys. We'll see you next week. I guess talk to you next week. No. Yeah. That's what I get for being able to see you. Peace out, Girl Scout. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we've done two. Do we have another one that we want to jump on? Oh, it's 12.30. No wonder I was hungry. Okay. <laughs> I was trying to figure out why my stomach was growling. Well, I haven't had any breakfast yet. I bought the cupcakes. I haven't gotten to eat them. <laughs> oh, I figured that's, that's why I was poking fun at the cupcakes for breakfast. I was like, no, they weren't open until 10 o'clock. So I left at 930 to go. So why did you go get cupcakes? Because that was one of the things that I got in my teacher, my coach appreciation box. And it was really good. <laughs> Yes, I got one, and I'm going to be eating lots of Brotherton and Rudy's barbecue. Yeah, I got um, FDs oh. and Garbos. You should have put Garbos, man. Well, so, I mean, I didn't really know what they were. I mean, I, I should have probably thought it through, but I was like, okay, well, where are places that I eat? Because they asked near me, not necessarily where I eat. And so, um, you know, so, so this week at some point in time, because Steve, so... You, I'm sure you don't know because it only happened yesterday. So yesterday, Steve was told he had several days off. So he was going to come home. So um, he is an hour and a half into his drive home and he gets a call that he's actually being called to Camp Swift, which is outside of Bastrop. Thank you for listening to Colorful Clipboards. Connect with us on social media at Colorful Clipboard or send us an email to hello at Colorful Clipboards. Send us your voicemail with your own questions and stories. If you want to keep learning with us, visit Texas Director, where we continue to have seminars, licensing programs, and more. This show has been made by me, Carrie Casey, and Kate Young with assistance from Hallie Casey and Marie Young. If you learned something today, share the show.